up. Amen. Aren't you excited to finish this up? Um, this is Hannah was like, what are we on? Part six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So you keep on. Remember, I got the microphone. I'm gonna tell some more stories and examples. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, um, I think this is the second to last. And so I think I think we will finish up next week, but we are we are in the process of wrapping this up. Um, we have been talking about the princes, the priests, and the Levites. I'm going to give you the first scripture. I'm not too sure where I'm going to start off scripture-wise. Let's go to... Uh, Let's go to Numbers chapter 4, verse 49. I think we will, that will be the first scripture I believe we will read. But I'm going to talk for a little bit, do a review before we start reading. Numbers 4, 49. We will get to starting there. When you're there, you can just hold it. I have not forgotten to give honor, so I don't have that paper, so I am going to guesstimate in Jesus' name. I give honor to the Joshua team tonight. I love them. I appreciate them. We must have the Joshua team. They are a help to the man of God. Give honor to the church staff in the offices of their gifting. We are a team. I appreciate you. Give honor to the church department leaders, departments, you church body, love you, appreciate you. And I give honor to the first family tonight, Sister Hannah Jackson, first lady. We love her. Looks so holy tonight. The brush of angel swings. Right? Give honor to <laughs> someone who said amen. I didn't hear Bishop say amen. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> they match tonight. Would you look at that? Wow. What are you doing? <laughs> I came over. He hasn't worn the new shoes I bought him, so I'm going to. I'm going to be getting on him for that in the next couple weeks. Give honor to my bishop tonight. Don't you love our bishop? He's looking skinny. I don't know what's going on. He needs some more cheesecake. Buy this man some Popeyes or something. I love, love our bishop. Love our bishop. My father. Father. Y'all can be seated. I'm going to ask him to pray over this study tonight. And then we will get started. In the name of Jesus, thank you for matching us tonight. And I close. Man, <laughs> <laughs> I messed up. Man, <laughs> Just give me a second. In the name of Jesus, thank you tonight for your presence that we feel. Thank you, God, for the word that's about to go forth. I'm asking God that you allow this anointed word to fall on good ground tonight. Let it produce what you purpose in this place. Let it go forth in power, demonstration, and manifestation. God, I take authority over any distractions. And I'm asking God that your word will be engrafted in our hearts and in our spirits. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Um, so before we read Numbers 449, I'm going to do a brief review. Um, this is the fourth lesson um, in this series. And really, I had no numbers, just... If you didn't finish, then I was picking up. So this turns out to be the fourth night to, to go over this. 
And um, when we first started, remember our text. We will get back to 2 Chronicles chapter 17 probably next week to wrap everything up. And I know this has been slow. Um, and there's going to be some stuff that we go over tonight, Lord willing, that you might think, well, it doesn't really pertain to me. Um, I believe everything that we are going over is important for you to hear, for you to grasp, so that you can understand why things are uh, structured the way that they are in this church in particular. Um, and even next week, we might go over some of the, the guidelines and some of the protocols um, for how we are asking for our church family to communicate, communicate needs, um, communicate the, the need for meetings or whatever um, the need might be. Um, and the reason for that is to make sure um, we are operating at the maximum potential that God wants us to operate at. I don't believe it's the will of God for churches to get together and just have great services. Um, and, and it's just something that you have in that moment, but it doesn't last throughout the week. I am um, very proud, godly proud of this church that when we ask for prayer, and you know this church family, there have been people, I'm sure, that you're like, you ask for prayer, and they're like, oh, I'm going to pray for you. You're like, you don't pray. You do not pray. And, and so you're like, oh, thank you. But, you know, I, I don't, you're not lifting. That's not the case in this church. When you ask for prayer, you know your needs are being brought to the Lord on your behalf. And there's such a strength that comes from knowing that you have a church family that is behind you in every way. Um, and this is a church that God is binding together, not just here, but abroad. I'll give a shout out to the Benjas because um, they he we touched base and um, they said that they're tuning in. We know you've heard Pastor Barlow, you've heard Pastor Moore say that they, they tune in and they watch, Pastor Thrasher. And so this is not just for the body here, but when people go out, which is the will of God for him to extend the arms of the church, they have a body here in San Antonio that is binding with them. In a lot of these places, you know that they're starting off small, but that's not going to stay um, that way for those churches. But as they are developing and as they are growing, they need to be able to reach back and pull some strength from a source until they are sustainable, but they'll always have this mother church um, to fall back on, so to speak. We have to be strong. And I believe that the Lord gives us liberty in him because there is order. There's submission. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But if you don't know who the Lord is, and if you don't put him in the proper place, you're not going to have the liberty that comes freely with him. And so this is important, even though some things we might hit on tonight, you might say it's not directly pertaining to me. So to summarize, part one that we started out with, we had started out with 2 Chronicles chapter 17, verse 7 through 9. And we were laying the foundation that with King Jehoshaphat, um, with the kingdom of Judah, he asked he was um, developing and growing, amen, as he was developing and growing um, in his kingdom, he uh, was able to expand um, because of the people that he sent out. Um, and, and those consisted of the princes, the priests, and the Levites. And that trend you can kind of see throughout the kingdoms, but predominantly when I was reading the word of God, um, the Lord brought out King David. And so we had went back and looked at First Chronicles chapter 23. Um, and so we laid the foundation with that and letting the church know that for the most part, 
in all the departments of the church, you are considered Levites in comparison to the word of God. If we want to give a broad category, a broad categorical description, um, I would liken liken you to the Levites. Their office, their position, their function was to serve in all aspects of the tabernacle where Aaron and his sons needed them to serve. And so uh, we have a lot of departments in this church, whether big or whether small, it does not matter what you do. And we talked about how as you grow in your relationship with the Lord, you should, God should start moving on you. You should feel that draw to do something more in the body. Um, And you may not have a, a ministerial calling specifically, but you being plugged into a department is serving in a ministry. It is a ministry and you should be doing it unto the Lord. Amen. Um, and so we, we talked about that in detail and how that the office of the Levites was very specific. The Lord said that they had to be separate. They had to be distinguished from all the other tribes and they were his, they were, um, a, a, a tribe that the Lord set apart. So your place in the kingdom, whatever you might be doing is key. And then in part two, the second lesson that we talked about, we focused on how uh, the Ark of the Covenant had been taken during a, um, a, a battle between the Philistines and the nation of Israel. And so um, they took the Ark and they, it ended up going from place to place within um, the, the domain of the Philistines. And they just wanted to get rid of it because of of the plagues that the Lord was cursing them with. Um, and so there are some places in this world that they, they're not handling, um, the things of the Lord properly. And so they might be wondering why they're dealing with certain things. And it's because we have to treat anything that is holy in the eyes of the Lord, the right way, biblically. So, um, they ended up, the, the Ark of the Covenant ended up going to a man's house by the name of Abinadab. And um, from what I uh, could break down in the scripture in my research, he was a Levite. But they did not handle, when they were trying to move it, King David said, hey, let's bring it back. When he became king, he said, let's bring it back to its rightful place. Um, let's, let's get the presence of the Lord where it's supposed to be. And... Um, they created, made a new cart, um, put it on oxen, and uh, we know that the Lord struck Abinadab's son Uzzah uh, for uh, the oxen shook it and it, it, it rattled or in some way, and he reached out to steady it, and God struck him. And when I don't know about you, but whenever I've heard of that passage, read it, it almost seems harsh. Um, but when we look at it and understand the context, you realize that the Levites, the kings, um, the princes, the heads of, of the people, they knew better. It was a statue. It was an ordinance unto the Lord. He made it very clear from the very beginning. Moses, this is how it is supposed to be handled. From now until the end. You have to bear it up, the Levites. It is their responsibility to bear it as a burden upon their shoulders with staves. They were not to touch it. There were certain things that they could not see. And so because they went about a new way to bring the presence of God back, the Lord said, you know better. And so my mercy has extended so far. But now you want to touch the presence of God with the changes in the ways that you have or you're trying to bring my presence back in. And I'm not going to have it. And it got their attention. It got King David's attention. It wasn't just King David. It was the Levites. They knew better. And so um, David said, you know, he, it shook him. So he, you know, uh, 
put it aside. It was in Obed-Edom's house, and the Lord blessed that man, blessed his household because they were treating it the way that it should be. When they went to bring it back um, from Obed-Edom's house now, they went about it the right way. And so they were able to bring it back successfully with rejoicing and praises and sacrifices unto the Lord. And so we hashed on for quite a bit about how um, it is important when you are wanting to join a ministry, wanting to join a department, we cannot ease up and make it convenient for you to, to become a participant in one of the departments of the church. We don't have that right to do that because it sets a tone that you don't have to sacrifice anything to live for God or to serve God. When that is not the case, there is sacrifice associated with serving God with all that you have. And when you sacrifice, that brings the presence of God in like never before. And so as, as bishop and the pastoral staff, we do not have the right, we do not have the authority to say even when it comes to the steps of salvation, it's okay for you not to have received the, the gift of the Holy Ghost and to be baptized in Jesus' name in order to be involved in a ministry that's not even on the platform. It doesn't matter what the ministry is. You have to be baptized in Jesus' name. You have to have received the gift of the Holy Ghost. You have to be faithful to the house of God. You have to be striving to live righteously before the Lord and the Lord will call upon you to be separate from everybody else. It is out of the Levites that the Lord pulled out the priest. The Lord is not going to elevate someone who has no idea how to discipline themselves and how to sacrifice when it comes to living for God. He will look at a vessel that is faithful in what appears to be the small things and say, because you are faithful in what seems to be insignificant, I will rise you and raise you up to a new level in me. There is that, that trend with, with these supposed houses of God. And this is why there's strange fire and strange incense that is being burnt all over these supposed houses of worship. And in some ways, they're entertaining something, but it's, it, it's not full truth. And God says, my present isn't, isn't fully in there. You can't experience the fullness of the Godhead and its authority because you haven't and you're not willing to live according to the full truth of the word of God. People get an acquired taste for that. That's why you'll see growth. But that growth will get to a certain point and it will stop. Y'all can be seated. I, um, I don't know. I haven't done the research on this myself. But um, I saw this clip. This guy was talking about a certain study that was done. It's good to see you, sister. Um, a certain study was done on the chicken at Subway. I saw Bishop's picture there because he, you know, eats it. I'm just kidding. Um. And this clip said they they did a study on the chicken. Because, you know, some of y'all, y'all are eating this food, and it's fake food. You know, fake news is like fake food, okay? They said that the chicken was 53.6% chicken. Let that sink in for a second. So the chicken that you're eating is a little bit over 50% true chicken. What is the rest of it? How many of y'all like Subway? Hey, 
You eating fake food, sis. That's why you hungry all the time. No, I'm just kidding. People, people are eating that stuff and they're like, oh, you know, they enjoy it. Even, um, what is it? I think it's Wendy's. Where Wendy's, I think, has the chili, the chili, the cup of chili. And the chili, they say, comes from the meat that's in there, comes from the remaining meat that is left on when they grill the burgers. They don't want to waste anything. That, now, I don't know if that's true. So you, you just pray over your food before you eat it. <laughs> just bless it in el nombre de Jesus. Um, amen. Um, but you know, so at some of these churches, they're only getting uh, 10, 20, 30, 40% of Jesus. And they're happy with it. But here we're getting 100%. There are no shortcuts. Can't make it easy. God says that when you sacrifice your all, I'll meet your every need. And then I'll take it beyond that. And I'll give you more power, more dominion, more authority. We do not. Y'all can be seated. We do not. We cannot as leadership. And you might think, man, that's kind of hard. That's kind of harsh that you're asking this of, of us. And we're not, really, we're not really doing anything. That's the problem. You are doing something. And you have to, whatever you're doing, you have to own it with everything within you. Because you're doing it unto the Lord. And in the eyes of the Lord, you are of service to the priest. You are of service. You have to the man of God, you are of service to the kingdom of God. And God says, I need you to carry your burden upon your shoulders. So as we move forward, the presence of God will lead and direct us every step of the way. We hit part three and how we talked about Within the Levites, there was broken down even more um, divisions and how the Lord gave um, the sons of, of Levites certain uh, responsibilities. And eventually it gets down to the Kohathites and the prophetess did an excellent job of speaking on this. Um, the Kohathites, the Gershonites, uh, the sons of Merari, um, they had specific roles, and it even was to the point when the Lord said, hey, let's get up to move, because remember, it was, it was, uh, it moved. Um, they, it wasn't a fixed structure, the tabernacle at the time. So when um, they would move forward in their journeys, um, they would have to pack it up, right? And so um, the, sh the breakdown of the sons of Levites, they had certain responsibilities as they broke the, uh, the house of God down, the tabernacle down, um, to move forward. But when it came to the holy things that Aaron and his sons, the Lord had given them that responsibility. When it came to um, uh, the, the ark and it came to um, the table and it came to the altar and, and the instruments thereof, the vessels uh, thereof, the Lord specifically instructed Moses to tell Aaron and his sons that they were to cover those things up. They had to conceal them with the badger skins and certain cloths before the Kohathites could take it upon their shoulders to move. And so we talked about how within whatever areas we are, it doesn't matter. And within the Levites, there was so much structure. Um, there, was, there was different positions. Um, and, and just because you're not a prince does not mean that your role's any less significant. Um, but you have to stay within the confines, the limitations, the boundaries of your role, your office, your position. The Lord said that there was consequences when the Kohathites, the Levites, they stepped outside of their role and would try to see, even just to look at, the holy things that was only given to the hand of Aaron and his sons. But yet it was their responsibility 
after those things were covered up and it was put in its proper place, it was the responsibility of the Kohathites to bear that burden. So we talked about how whatever role that we're in, there are some things that I myself, the pastoral staff, we are not given the understanding to. And in turn, there are things that we cannot, I, there might be things that I cannot explain to some of the people up underneath me. It is not their place to understand. It is not their place to see. It is not my place to understand everything that the Lord is showing the man of God. But I have to bear my burden when he hands it to me and says, let's move forward. Because he cannot carry it by himself. His responsibility is to hear the voice of God and to see the holy things as God ordains. But then he turns it over and says, you carry it forward. This is how the body works together. And there are some of us, I would dare say, even now we're reaching for things that God has not given us the authority to. And it's for your good. It's for your safety, your spiritual well-being. Some of us cannot handle the responsibilities of a priest. And God says, because you can't handle it, I won't even show you some of the things that I've got to show Aaron and I've got to show his sons. We have to be happy and content with where the Lord has us. And that's the trouble that happened with Korah and Dathan and Abiram. And we understood that through the breakdown of the word, uh, Korah was of the Levites. Dathan and Abiram were not. It's very important that whenever the man of God marks someone or somebody, and people that are going to be out there, they're going to be running their mouths. They are in the hands of God. And for some of y'all that keep wanting to talk, you keep wanting to tune in, you keep wanting to listen in, you are in the hands of God. And God forbid the mercy of God is done. Because we are living in a time and a day where God is not putting up with anything. And I am not beyond the belief that God would say for the earth to open up its mouth and to swallow you and your family for touching his anointed. You're not going to hurt the church. You're not going to harm Bishop. You're not going to hurt the pastoral staff. So I would admonish you to look on your own behalf, your own spiritual well-being, because you are taking your own spiritual life in your hands. The Lord was very clear about no stranger could even stand in the door of the tabernacle, and that was meaning anybody beyond Aaron and his sons. So for some of us, there may have been some correction. There may be correction coming. It's all done in love, but it's also done for your protection, your safety, your well-being spiritually. By virtue of a position, the Lord will give them insight into certain things. You have to trust your leadership. Trust them when they come to you and say, hey, we've got to change this. We are in a different place now. We are in deeper waters. And the Lord is bringing influx. We are dealing with influx right now. And there are some ways we've been operating that we can't continue to operate that way. It's not conducive for growth. The meat that we are eating now is different than the meat that we were eating last year. Because the Lord says, that's not enough. You need something stronger. Let's add some more vitamins into your diet. Let's add more calcium. Let's add more this. Let's add more that. Because you need to be strong for what's to come. And so with all the shifting and the changes, just trust your leadership that that's what God is doing. Amen? So Numbers 4 and 49. Numbers 4 and 49. We said all that to say this. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Numbers 449. <clears throat> I bet y'all won't be eating Subway after church tonight. That's all. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Numbers 449. According to the commandment of the Lord, they were numbered by the hand of Moses. Everyone according to his service and according to his Burden according to his desire. Thus, 
where they numbered of him as the Lord commanded Moses. So on Sunday evening, we had a minister's meeting, and there are going to be some things that I will hit tonight that the Lord had given me, and I, um, the bishop just, wa- we did not have a conversation about it. He hit um, almost identical the, the scriptures that um, I had pinned down, and so I will hit some aspects of those, but it's, it's good for me because it's confirmation that some of those words and some of those instructions had to come from him first. And so there will be some things that I will hit tonight um, that Bishop, in his way, has already given um, his uh, blessing on. So I'm not stepping outside of anything that the man of God is saying. But if you are going to operate, and this is something that we are dealing with at church body. We're going to have people that come in, and, and they're going to feel like some, something as simple as laying on of hands. We think it's simple, but the vessel that is laying hands there can be something that, that is imparted. And so even something like that, they have to be accountable. There, there needs to be um, a, a blessing, if you will, permission, if you will, for those people to operate in the service. So anybody in any ministry, if you feel like you have a calling, you do have to be accountable to somebody. And that somebody is the man of God. Now up under the man of God is the pastoral staff. And so he will give, and he is given his authority in areas where he will say, yes, if, if they've come to you and this has been a knowledge, that is okay. But people shouldn't be doing things without some sort of accountability. The man of God has to give an account. That's what Numbers 4.49 is. The Lord is very specific. It's according to his commandment that the Levites had to be numbered. They had to be, um, the, the, the Moses had to look and to say, yes, you are to do this. Yes, you are to do that. This is why the man of God has said this about the handmaiden or said this about the prophetess or said this about um, prophet Massey. There is an account that the man of God has to give for everyone that is operating. And so when, whenever you hear wind or you see something um, that, you know, is, is someone that's not an established member of our church, that is something that we need to be aware of because uh, everything has to be done decently and in order. And they're going to be people that are going to be like, oh, God just moved on me. And I just, are you even, are you even a member of the church? You know, you know, those things can't, can't happen. And it's not, there's going to be things that come in that we don't catch all of it, but it's stuff that we need to be aware of. And so I don't want anyone being surprised or anything like that. If you feel to, to go in this area or to join this or to join that, and we start to direct you a certain way, hey, contact the office first. Um, make sure you talk to one of the pastoral staff. Um, make sure you get a hold of the secretaries to set up a meeting. That type of instruction, I don't want that to catch anyone off guard. The man of God has to give an account And we have to be held accountable to somebody. We have to. And that is the man of God. Um, Let's move to Exodus 18. Exodus chapter 18. We will start with verse 13. Exodus 18, verse 13. If you're not familiar with uh, Moses, um, when uh, the Israelites were led out of Egypt, out of captivity, um, Moses was that leader. And and we find that on their journey through um, the wilderness, 
that the Lord is developing them. There's murmurings, there's complaining. The Lord has to deal out judgment. Then there's miraculous wonders that they experience, like manna um, from heaven. Um, it is a, a crazy period of time um, throughout their journey. So here we are in Exodus chapter 18. Now remember, we are in this passage where um, before Moses went back to Egypt, he grew up as a son, quote unquote, of Egypt, um, up under a Pharaoh's daughter. And he ended up leaving Egypt. He killed someone. He left and he was in a deserted place and he ended up uh, marrying um, this man, Jethro's one of his daughters. And um, they were shepherdesses and um, the, uh, the father, um, he gave, a, he, there was some impartation that happened. It had to be. Moses learned some things from this man that prepared him to lead the people. I didn't know if I, the Lord is bringing it to my mind, so I'm just going to go with it. And this is, this is something I'm not comfortable with. So I want y'all to hear me. To all the single people in the house, um, the Lord is going to give you someone of your worth. You don't need to settle. I feel the Holy Ghost. You don't need to settle for somebody. And so uh, Moses, that worth developed. He got to the place where he could be a shepherd. He married a shepherd, shepherdess. And so for some of, some of y'all, if you're trying to look and trying to put your own plan together, you need to trust the Lord that God is going to bring someone that will either match or succeed your value. Eventually, they have to succeed um, you as far as leading the house. But the Lord will give you someone who's capable of that. Um, so anyway, Moses... He, he got something from Jethro because when he went back, he was able to lead the people out of Egypt. Now that, that amount of people, that's a lot of people. So it, it makes sense now that we look at it, that the Lord would develop that with him first learning how to deal with sheep so that he could deal with people. And so um, there was an established relationship with Jethro. In verse 13, Jethro comes to visit. And he, he's seeing how things are operating with the Israelites and Moses. So this is what's going on, verse 13. And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood by Moses from the morning unto the evening. And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did to the people, he said, what is this thing that thou doest to the people? Why sittest thou thyself alone, and all the people stand by thee from morning until even? So he's, he's watching Moses deal with these people one by one. That's how it used to be in this church. Bishop would, he would try to leave, and uh, there would be a line of people, and they would stand to talk to the man of God. And it wasn't until, I, I, I could be wrong, but I think it wasn't until the Masseys came that that changed. So, <laughs> if you need to scare anybody off, just take a Massey with you. Um, now, because... <laughs> Because the Masseys came and, and they've yielded to what God needs them to do, 
the church has grown to a place that we could not have. It, the growth was hindered because the man of God was doing things that he should not have been doing. He was carrying weights that he shouldn't have been carrying. It is very difficult, church family. It's very difficult to come from here to dealing with the situation immediately. And sometimes myself, I will find I'm giving an answer that I was like, what on earth did I say that? Why did I respond like that and tell them this and tell them that? Because your mind is just not in the right place. As a whole, for the pastoral staff, for the people that are ministering as, um, as the bishop gives his authority, this is why we are trying to structure things, and we will encourage you in a gentle way. But we this is something that we have to get used to. We don't need to be focusing on dealing with things immediately after a service unless it's already pre-planned with the pastoral staff. If you've already set up a meeting or what have you, unless it's an emergency, it's not to be ugly and it's not to be rude, but that mindset isn't there to give you godly counsel. And so we don't want to make the mistake of telling you something that is off. We couldn't grasp everything that you were telling us or vice versa. And then you do or respond or do something wrong um, takes place that we could have avoided. The focus when we are here has to be on just what God wants done here. The needs that are taking place here right now and in this moment. We've got to be fully engaged in that so that every need according to God's will is met. So Moses is handing all this and his father-in-law sees this and he's like, what are you doing? Why are you sitting yourself alone? And, and the people are standing here morning till evening. Verse 16, Moses is like, uh, when they have a matter, they come unto me, and I judge between one and another, and I do make them know the statutes of God and his laws. He's, he's explaining, I'm doing the best that I can, and I'm imparting the, the wisdom of God and, and um, the statutes of the Lord to them. Here, here's Jethro, a voice of wisdom. Thou wilt, thou wilt surely, I'm trying to say two words at one time. Verse 18, thou wilt surely wear away both you and this people that is with you. For this thing is too heavy for thee. Thou art not able to perform it thyself alone. It's too heavy, it's too great, this weight, Moses. If you continue to take on all this by yourself, you're going to wear yourself out, and you're going to wear the people out. It's not going to do them any good. So for the sake of growth, here is wisdom. Verse 19, hearken now unto my voice. I will give thee counsel, and God shall be with thee. Be thou for the people to Godward, that thou mayest bring the causes unto God. And thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws, and shalt show them the way wherein they must walk, and the work that they must do. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of what? And rulers of what? Rulers of what? And rulers of? Able men. Men with strength. Men that have soldier-like qualities. Men with substance. Men that have been trained. Men with great force. These are not just any men, but men that have proven themselves to be able to handle the needs of the people and the expectations of the man of God. Not just anybody is going to be able to give our man of God Direction in a word. God will let him know who he can trust to speak into his life. It's not going to come from amongst the people. 
The Lord sent an established voice, Jethro. And so the man of God, he did it with, with David when he sent Nathan the prophet. Now, God will use certain people, um, and, and that's for Bishop. Um, that's his place to share. He might use the voice of a pastoral staff. He might use um, the prophet. We know that. But when it comes from the people, correction is not going to come. Direction is not going to come from the sheep. And that's not to be ugly. That's not to be mean. But there's a place of elevation that God has put our man of God. And so we cannot see from our vantage point what he sees. And God will have to show him and send someone to him that he can trust. That will say, here is the counsel of the Lord. And he will know that that's a voice that he can trust. When Moses got this direction and he yielded to it, and that voice can change from time to time. I don't even know if we read of Jethro after this. And, and I, I want to say that there was a voice that gave direction or, or gave uh, some words, maybe about Prophet Massey, I'm not too sure, um, way back when. And things have changed. And that voice is no longer speaking in the life of the man of God. It's not a knock against them. We are at a different place. But the man of God will know this is a voice I can yield to. This is a voice I can't. And, and our job is to pray for the man of God. Pray that the Lord will give him the right voice when he needs. That he will give him a, a greater sense of sensitivity to trust the voice that God has given him versus a voice that is not. Amen. So when Moses yielded, he did exactly what Jethro said. And um, he established these people. Verse 22, Jethro said, let them judge the people at all seasons, at all seasons. And it shall be that every great matter they shall judge. So shall it be easier for thyself and they shall bear the burden with thee. If thou shalt do this thing and God command thee so, then thou shalt be able to endure. And all this people shall also go to their place in peace. I believe it was Pastor Sandoval that had mentioned about the Joshua team. So the Lord will give counsel from a voice that he can trust. And now you look and it's like we've always had the Joshua team when that was not the case. There is a trust with the Joshua team. There is respect with the Joshua team. That the pastoral staff, we did not always have a staff like this. And now the man of God can say, I need you, Pastor Sandoval, to be a voice of counsel. I need you, Pastor Hildebrand, to be a voice over the departments. I need you, Pastor Brent, to be a voice with the new life class. I need you, Pastor Ruth, doing et cetera, et cetera, doing whatever I tell you to do, even when we're not at church. I'm just kidding. <laughs> the man of God has a team to lean on that is able. Because of this, there isn't that weariness, there isn't that fatigue that he used to have. The man of God has to be free to focus on the voice of God on behalf of the people. And the Lord gives us wisdom because we are submitted. I can tell you, every one of the pastoral staff, and that includes the handmaiden, that includes the prophetess, that includes Pastor Guerrero, um, all those people that Bishop has mentioned as being part of the pastoral staff, the offices of her gifting, there is a trust there because of submission. And so because we are attached, we are connected to the man of God. What flows through him flows through us. And so you are not getting wisdom from a different source. You're getting it from the same source. And this is why when we'll have meetings, I will find myself, oh, this sounds like bishop. This I'm seeing bishop talk here. When the ministry is up here and they are leading in prayer or they're leading um, in teaching, you can see the hand of the man of God. 
God because of submission. You can trust the team that the Lord has given, the able bodies that God has given our Moses, so to speak. And because of that, your needs are being met. Your needs are being heard. The man of God is able to do what he, he needs to do according to the will of God. And the whole church is just rising above the tide. Where every other church is having a struggle. Where every other church is scared of COVID. Where every other church is scared about inflation. This church is rising above the fear. Is rising above the intimidation. And we are able to move forward. Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. There are times that we will go to the bishop and we will let him know. We will tell him about a situation or what have you. You can trust the pastoral staff knows that there are some things that we have to bring to the man of God. He has to be aware of it. He has to give his direction. He has to give his counsel regarding that. But then you also have to trust the pastoral staff that there are times when the man of God doesn't need to be dealing with certain things. The pastoral staff needs to deal with it. You can trust Pastor Hildebrand. You can trust Pastor Sandoval. You can trust Pastor Brent. Acts chapter 6, verse 1 reads... And in those days, this sounds familiar to some of y'all recently. And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. God is going to meet every need that is present in the body. The body ministers to the body. And so for those that are lacking, if you trust the Lord, Somehow within the body, God is going to meet that need. Now, you need to be a part of the body. The church body is not Bank of America, Bank of 350 Utopia Lane. It's not hotel, uh, First United Pentecostal Church. I don't mean that ugly. I don't mean that mean. We used to joke at Methodist Stone Oak Hospital that we called it Hotel MSO. Because patients, when they get there, you know, you just think like, oh, I'm going to order this. I'm going to order that. What? This is a hospital. The body ministers to the body. You have to be a part of the body. And God will deal with someone within the body to meet whatever need. And we also have to understand that there are some people that they're dealing with things within our, they're our church family. There, there are things that I, I don't understand what some people, they're going through, what they've been through. I, I don't understand uh, Sister Kim Lira, and God has used her, and God is using her, and God will continue to use her. I don't understand the things that she's been through. Some of the widows in our church, I, I don't understand. And so for some of us, we have to be patient with some of these people. They are our church family. And if their intention is pure... Just because our personalities might clash a little bit doesn't mean that I write them off. Amen? Amen. Um, Acts chapter 6, verse 1, we read that. Verse 2, then the 12 called the multitude of the disciples unto them. The 12, the 12 apostles called the multitude of the disciples and said, it's not reason that we should leave, that we should put behind, abandon the word of God and serve tables. Meaning be about the business of our faith, our congregation, our assembly. Verse 3, wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint 
We are going to designate them. We are going to ordain them over this business, over these needs, over these uh, demands, these necessities. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And we understand that they did this, they appointed. We know that one of those was Stephen. We know one of those was Philip. And then you can read the other names that are listed there. Amen. Um, they, these men were set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. The man of God of this congregation has appointed the pastoral staff. There has been a blessing, an anointing that has been imparted. So that the spirit of the apostle is resident in the spirit of the pastoral staff. And because of this, verse 7, in the word of God increased. The number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And scripture goes on to say, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. We see pastors going out from 350 Utopia Lane. They were never called pastor here, and they're leaving here going out as pastor. The Lord is multiplying. The Lord is growing. The word of God is increasing in this church because we have people of honest report that have been put in their place to make sure that the administration of the church, the business of the church, the ministries of the church are operating the way that they should so that the man of God can be reserved to hearing the voice of God. Quickly, we're going to stay here. We're going to end here. It says honest report. Honest report, you break that down, it means testify, give evidence, bear record, be well reported of. As the Lord, and, and we'll see this when we hit it next week, and we will end next week. When God talks about um, the office of a deacon, and this will be familiar because our bishop also hit this. Um, and it talks about uh, being tested and being proved. Being proved, which means to be tested. This scripture here is saying um, these, these seven men were of honest report. Before they even got ordained, they had a reputation where they could not be found guilty. Anything that was found of them, they were shown to prove themselves worthy. When they dealt with a situation, when they went through something, the people that were around them that witnessed them were able to give a well report, a good report. Some of us, we want certain things in God. Some of us, we, we might be Levites because you've got to be busy about God's work. God is not going to give you something more. What did he do with the one with the one talent? Took it and get, he didn't do anything with it. So he gave it to the one with 10. I had joked with somebody, I think it was Sister Kelsey. The one with 10 was probably like, give it to the one with five. I got 10 things to worry about already. Ain't that right, Pastor Hildebrand? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, the Lord is good because he knows the one with 10 can handle it. They're handling all these things. So if you want to be doing something for God and, and you have a calling and somebody has said this and you've been given a word, you're not going to get there by just sitting. You've got to be active. You've got to be moving. And people around you are watching. They're watching your reaction. They're watching you sit in service. They're watching how you look when you come in. Maybe even perhaps how you're dressed on an off night, on a service where you're not scheduled to do anything. They need to see that you have an honest report. You can stand all over the building. The man of God, God can use the man of God to give someone an opportunity to stand before the people. 
But the man of God cannot make the people respect that person. And so your sphere of influence, if you don't have an honest report amongst the people, it's going to fall short no matter what opportunity God gives you. That's not on God. That's not on the man of God. That's on us as individuals. And so um, I want to... I want to remind us, especially uh, some of us that are yearning, uh, yearning for something, yearning for to walk in our calling, uh, to walk in a greater dimension in whatever area you feel that the Lord has called you in, whatever area that the man of God has imparted unto you. Receive the words of the man of God. Receive the correction of the pastoral staff that are operating under the man of God. The direction of the pastoral staff. It's coming from one voice, one source. And your report among men has to be honest. They have to be able to say, the people have to be able to say that I can respect that person because I watched them when they were sitting next to me in service and they did lift their hands in worship. It looked like they were struggling, but it looked like they dragged themselves here. But they still got up and they got engaged behind the man of God. People are watching if you're coming on a Monday night. People are watching if you're making the sacrifice to come on the Thursday for basic doctrine teaching and you're a, a so-called leader. And for some of us, that report, that honest report isn't there. I'm just reminding you that God has to make sure these qualities are met before he can say, let me lift you up. Amen. Um, let's pray. I ask you to just look at, let's look at our hearts tonight. Um, let's remind ourselves that what we are doing is for the kingdom. And if there's anything that we need to change, if, if there's some new direction coming from our head um, within our departments or from the man of God, let us be able to be pliable and, and, and moldable in the hands of God. Let's pray in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you.